going on out in the world that we've won. And so we have this anemic view of what a godly, biblical, successful family looks like. But you know, the battle isn't only on the political realm. The battle's inside our own homes. And there are ways in which our families are less families than they ought to be that are well short of those dramatic kinds of ends. I think about it almost in terms of of architecture. We have these these nuclear families, and again, we're we're pleased if we can keep that that little atomic-sized family together without breaking into pieces, but the reality is we do break them into pieces. If you look at the modern American home, it's no longer a place where families live together, but rather it's a place where families live alone in close proximity to each other. We have to make sure that every child has their own bedroom. We often want them to have their own bathroom. We get them their own television. We get them their own uh, video console. We get them their own computer. And what we end up doing is building not homes, but apartment complexes where we all have our apartments, where we're apart from the rest of the family. You know, it used to be that our family lives were lived together, that the center of the home was the family table and the kitchen where work was done and where, where time was spent together. Now, if a family meets together, it's in front of the refrigerator reading post-it notes about instructions about what's coming next and who's driving whom where when. That's what we're left with. And again, we think this is success. doesn't surprise me, though. This is not just the way we work in the home. It's the way we work in the world. It's the way we work in the church. See, I'm persuaded that the devil has created for us faux families, false families, because we're made in the image of God. We're made to live our lives in the context of family. But because the family is one of those God-given institutions that God created, The devil hates it, the devil destroys it, and the devil replaces it. Because, see, that's his strategy, to be the angel of light. And so that natural, normal hunger that we have for family relationship, the devil gives us his own version. In our context, more often than not, it's a demographic version a demographic version of the family. That is where we begin to identify not with who we are as a family, but who we are in our place in life. So that my connectedness for me is, is you know, bald, middle-aged men. That that's my circle where I hang out with my friends. Uh, who are in that same kind of experience. And, and women have their women's circles and, and children. They have all sorts of layers of demographic groups that they sort of move in and out of as they age. Where they all have their own language. They all have their own clothing. They all have their own music. They all have their own this, their own everything. We're all separated. This is what creates what we used to call the generation gap. You only have a generation gap when we identify with our generation 
rather than our family. So when we come together in our homes, we're not together because dad's off watching ESPN in one room, mom's off watching, I don't know, Desperate Housewives in another room, and the teenager's off watching, uh, show my age here, MTV in another room, and, and the little boy's watching Lassie. Now that's really showing my age in his room. We all read our different magazines. We all go to our different places. And friends, it even happens in the church. We rightly are concerned that Sunday morning is the most ethnically segregated hour of the week. But it's also the most age-segregated hour of the week. We think it's nice. We get everybody dressed up. We pile them into the car. Of course, we're always running late. Can't find the shoes.